Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we have for you tonight a very special episode of Masks on the Orient Express. And so, before we get into all the fun we have planned for you tonight, we first need to do introductions. And so, to my right. Hi, this is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and we're still on a train. Indeed you are. To Miss O'Shea's right. This is Mike. I'm playing James Robert Fraser, and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Quite true. To Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I don't know if I'm on a train. Well, you're bound to find out. It might be the coke. <laughs> Indeed, it could be the cocaine, yes. Uh, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Detective Jack Doyle, and I don't think anything interesting is going to happen at all tonight. Zero. It's going to be a completely boring promise. Also at the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm just impressed that the train is still intact after our two groups have gone through it. You know, um, put a pin in that. We might come back to it. Uh, to Giles' is right. Uh, this is Lonnie, and I was never here, and you never saw me. That's correct. To Lonnie's right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and did it get crowded in here? You know, the train seems to have filled up with some people, um, or maybe this other place where you're at. It seems a little bit, not a little bit tight, but I'm sure you'll all be friends. To Maggie's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, and he has definitely noticed there's a lot less elbow room here now. It's true. It's true. To the doctor's right. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney, and, uh... The last Richard could remember is that he looked left and something terrible was going to happen. Yeah, you know, Richard, we're going to have to talk about that. And then last but most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex. I'll be playing Sam Perron, who is finding the few things more grounding than being told by white Americans to know my role, sit in the back and shut my mouth, because not only am I ultimately irrelevant, but I can never hope or dream to be as exceptional as they are. Well, I see that we're on point for our 1920s theme. For some of you... You've had a very long and arduous day in the city of Milan. For a multitude of reasons, you have needed to relax, to calm yourself, to come back to center. Uh, And in doing so, you finally and somewhat eagerly found a restful state to sleep in. All except one of you. Professor, the last thing you remember was something charging you from the corner. And there was an enormous flash of blue light. And your vision finally clears. And you seem to be in your stateroom aboard the Orient Express. Is everything normal if Richard looks around? uh, Where's the device? It's in your hand. You're covered in this blue dust. 
Richard's going to try and remember what happened. I don't know if he uh, has any success there. You remember massive teeth. A huge gaping maw that came at you. Richard will probably just cautiously look over his body to make sure there are no sort of great teeth marks or scars. There are no great teeth marks, but your suit, that one you were wearing in the hotel in Milan is... Part of it is ripped terribly so. It's as if four or five long tears have been made in the right breast and down through your the right side of your body. Oh, clothes, I I don't know what to make of this. Yes, things always seem to go wrong. Uh, Richard will take uh, some of this blue powder and just sort of secrete it away in a, in a handkerchief or in a little bag if he's got one somewhere for, for later study. Those of you who are already aboard the Orient Express, resting as best you can on your way to Milan, um, the train seems to jostle and almost upend a bit. It's a very strange sensation because everything else along the rail to Milan has been silk smooth, except obviously some of the interpersonal issues that we're all gripped with in the moment. But it wakes you out of bed, Miss O'Shea. And you realize that this space, very quickly, you realize that this space, this room that you're in is not, there's something off. There's something different about it. Okay, so if I crack the door open, mm-hmm. do I see anybody? So you go to the door and you crack it open a little bit. You see that the train hallway is filled with these regular uh, state carriage rooms that you, you're fairly right. used to. And there's a there's a man making his way down the, the walkway. Well, that's the only person I see. Mm-hmm. He's got a lantern with him. Look relatively normal. Uh, the lantern's way out of place. It's not necessary. And the Orange Express is lit. Or, wait, why isn't the Orient Express lit? Oh, okay. Doctor, you wake up. In my stateroom? Or mm, rather, yeah. uh, coach room? In your coach room. Um, am I alone in my room? If you and Jack were bunking together, then no. How long have I been asleep? Because if I was still singing and playing in the... You don't know. You're a little unsure as to how long you've been asleep. In fact, that goes for most of you as the rest of you begin to kind of wake from your rooms. It's very difficult to remember how long you've been asleep, but the the beds that you were used to, those of you who were in Milan, are not there anymore. You're, you're back on the train, and those of you who were on the train, these do not feel like the beds you fell asleep in. Does this seem oddly familiar, the feeling? Uh, I mean, riding on a train is familiar well, to the doctor, sure. Okay. I'm going to gather my things mm-hmm. and get dressed. Okay. And, uh... I guess go for a stroll. Okay. Maybe see conductor. Mr. Fraser, when you awake from your space, the immediate first probably thought is, good Lord, where are we? (laughs) But after that, it's soon probably going to get him. He's going to get into gear for figuring out where everybody else is, specifically Lady Elizabeth. Yes. So just looking out of the window, uh, is it dark out? Is it middle of the night? You look out the window, and in the window, encompassing the entire landscape view from horizon up, are nothing except multicolored threads. Oh, good lord. Thousands of multicolored threads. 
threading from left to right blues and yellows and greens and reds in these kind of chromatic, amazing color streams. What on earth? Right, so, well, I suppose I'd better get myself sorted out and see what's to do. Um, and I'm going to take a quick look uh, around the compartment that I'm in. Um, uh, the Is the wardrobe or whatever we've got here chest of drawers has that got my 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 clothes in it is this do i recognize this compartment is it is it maybe different to the one that um i've been in before or is it pretty much the same it actually feels a lot like the dreamlands express mm, i was just wondering yeah there's no tentacles about though are there it doesn't seem to be no the drawers the setup the room itself feels a lot like that train what about clothing uh have i, have I woken in my pajamas no, actually, you've woken as you were dressed before you fell asleep. Right. In fact, most of you, as, as you wake up, are getting that sensation. Um, I check my pocket watch. What does it say? <laughs> oh, the dials just spin. <sighs> it's another dream. Oh, well, in for, a pen, in for a penny, in for a pound, I suppose. And I will kind of smart myself up as best I can, and splash some water on my face, and uh, I will go out into the corridor and see what I can see. You go out into the corridor and you see two things. One, you see someone looking out from one of the other rooms. It looks like a woman. And then you see uh, Henri Peters, the conductor of the Dreamlands Express, walking up the way here with uh, a lantern. Ah, um, Mr. Peters. Hello. He kind of casts the lantern in your direction. This is a rather old lantern. It's almost pre-Victorian. Uh, so it's got a, a rather large housing, and the light that comes out of it is teeming with uh, small little fireflies in front of it. Oh, uh, Mr. Fraser, yes? That's correct. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, we, we seem to, well, I anyway seem to have found myself uh, upon your uh, upon uh, your locomotive again. He looks at you a little strange. But sir, this is not my locomotive. I don't know where I am. I, uh, uh, did you wake up here as well then? I did. I've uh, found a lantern to find some light. I'm uh, headed to the oh. uh, uh, dining car to, or whatever is ahead of us to see if there's uh, any explanation. Um, good man, good man. Uh, uh, is Have you seen anyone else, any of my party here on the train at all? No, but just from the look of it, he seems to scan the rooms in their this rather long train car. It does seem to be a, a lot of sleeping cars here. Perhaps your party's in front of them. Oh, what is going on? Well, um, I've, I'll go and find Lady Elizabeth if I can, I think, and, uh, and then I might come and catch you up and we'll see what we can see. Uh, if you do find anything, uh, please do let me know. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, Doctor, you s- step uh, just slightly out of your room just to see what, what mm-hmm. else is here, and you see an exchange between these two people listen for a moment, or if I can hear them. If not, then, you know, just watch them talking. Body language, they both seem fairly confused. Mm, Yes, but it looks like there's almost some sort of camaraderie or understanding between the two, like they know each other. They're not strangers. No. Okay. They're talking way too close to be strangers. Complete strangers, anyway. Wait for them to pause talking so I don't interrupt. Guten Tag. Did you hear someone say hello to you in German? Uh, guten Tag. Um, I'm just wondering if perhaps either of you knew where we were on the train schedule, yeah? 
I, I have to say, uh, I'm a little disorientated. Um, uh, James Fraser, uh, pleased to meet your acquaintance. Shake hands. Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, nice to meet you. Ah, a doctor, a medical yeah. man? Mind and body, yeah. There's nothing that would have given enough time cannot be healed. Ah, that is a good philosophy. Mm. However, I find myself to be a bit confused uh, at odds, if you will. I'm afraid I don't know where I am right now. You and me both, as the, as the saying has it. Uh, I woke up here, I went to sleep in a bed in a hotel, and I woke up here in a compartment on a train. Mm. Intriguing. Have you looked out the window? It's very peculiar out there. Look out the window. Oh my, what is that? Ha. Huh. Yeah, that is some... That's not your usual weather phenomenon. Rap on my door, the sleeping door with the cane, the head of my cane. Tap, tap. What? I... Jack, you should see this. Uh, pour yourself a drink before you do so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you start hearing Jack and Sigmund back and forth. In fact, most of you in the general area begin hearing voices outside of your uh, compartments. I guess I'll step out. How far are they down from me? Yeah, just a couple of doors. Why is it so dark out here? There's no light, Jack. Thank you. That's why it's dark. <laughs> well, you asked why it's dark. Where are the lights? There were lights on when we went to bed. As far as light goes, for those of you venturing out of your rooms, you see the, the man in a conductor's uniform who continues to head towards the locomotive, you believe, with the light. Conductor's uniform has an old school lantern in hand. Herr Fraser, this is my friend, Jack Doyle. Very, uh, very pleased to make your acquaintance, James Fraser. Likewise, Jack. Jack Doyle. I'm going to follow the conductor. Okay, you follow the conductor. Maggie, you wake with... Um, just the slightest bit of left arm pain. Uh, yes, my initial thought was if I'm waking up in a strange place where I didn't necessarily fall asleep would be to see if the arm is here as well. It is. Okay, that's good. That's comforting at least. Do I still have the strand of copper wrapped around my wrist? You do. You do have that strand of copper. Okay, okay, okay. I think I think I'm going to be okay then. I'm assuming I would hear all of the talking going out in the hallway as well. Mm -hmm. And recognizing Mr. Fraser's voice, I would pop out into the hallway as well. There's something a little strange, just for a moment, about your perceptions as you walk through uh, this area, or at least just stand in the area with the doctor and this gentleman, Mr. Fraser. This Fraser gentleman, he looks like the guy in the photo from the ferry. Mr. Fraser, do you know uh, Miss Bellinger? A door opens, and Maggie enters the hallway. Uh, well, um, as it so happens, this is Miss Bellinger, right here. So I'll, yes, I'll be so right back. I go into my room okay. and grab the pictures. <laughs> Bring them back Kind out. of looking around me <laughs> rather confused. I got these in Paris. So a, a gentleman that you don't know presents you with photos that you've seen before. Have I taken them before? Mm-hmm. They're copies, it seems, of the photos that the chemist made. Oh. Uh, well, oh, yes, I'm the photographer. I took these pictures. Where did you get them? Uh, from the uh, a chemist in Paris. What a peculiar coincidence. And yeah, we were investigating something so you were on the ferry when that happened. Uh, yes, that's rather strange, though. He seemed 
he practically kicked me out of his his shop and, and told me he didn't want me to come back ever again after I had him develop it. Oh yeah, he did he did not want those pictures around. <laughs> I'm surprised he kept copies of them then. Yeah. Well, he had the negatives I I developed the copies. Oh, I I see. Yes, we we were on the ferry when that happened. Paris has been interesting to say the least <laughs> the ferry was just the beginning of things it was fun the dining car i assume is this way those of you who are following the conductor or watching as he goes when he opens um the doorway between the two cars you can see the dining car is the one ahead we need to uh get miss o'shea i bet she has a ton of questions for these people she's already ahead of you down the hallway yeah i'm following the conductor if i'm if i might ask what connection do you have with this chemist and, and the, the photographs? Oh, we were uh, investigating rumors of a disturbance in Paris and it just happened to lead us that way. Uh, I see. Something about an explosion or a fire on the ferry or some such. We are of the sort to investigate things of that nature anyway. Um, explosion, I eyes. Was something of that like? I mean, it, it looks like a summoning of some type. He did that. I think there's somebody you might want might want to speak to. Um, bear with me for one moment. Yes, and you're going to go go uh, collect someone. I'm going to go knocking on doors until I find a certain Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. Miss O'Shea. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody you really want to talk to. Okay. So, Mister Fraser, you you knock on Lady Elizabeth's door, which you somehow preternaturally know which one is hers. It's the one that exudes class. That's correct. <laughs> Hello, um, your ladyship is. Are you in there, uh, Mister Fraser? Did I somehow fall asleep and miss us re-entering a train? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, your ladyship, whether you've woken up yet. There's no tentacles on this one, though. Uh, no, as far as I can uh, tell. No, um, uh, something very strange is is going on. Um, I've come across our, our good conductor from the, the train that you speak of, um, but he, it seems, is uh, as much confused by this as, as you or I. Um, we have awoken uh, on a train, but we're not sure which one or where it is. Uh, and there are some other passengers here that I think you might want to speak to. Very well. Although, it is nice to hear that you're accepting of this whole group dream thing. Finally. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, your ladyship, but uh, whatever seems to be happening seems to be happening, and... Well, so much has gone on in the last few days that uh, I really don't have the energy to argue with it just at the moment. They, those of you who are in the hallway are beset upon by death itself in the form of a herd of felines which enter from the back of the car in that hallway and steam their way essentially forward they look like they're headed towards the dining car they don't stop there I stand very very still yes Mr. Fraser um, they go around you you can tell um, they stop at the first door in the this long coach car I'm since I'm already pretty much at the door, mm. I'm going to turn and follow them and then open the door for them. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not going into the dining car. They're, they're, they're standing outside a room. You're going to open that door? Oh, outside of a room? Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I want to know. So, Sam, your door opens, and a herd of a herd of cats comes in. So, you in your stateroom woke when some of the voices uh, outside were going on, and you began to hear very slowly the, the pitter patter of several feet coming towards you, animal feet. So just just to be clear, I woke up in a strange place. Mm-hmm. That is not where I fell asleep, and I don't remember falling asleep, which bothers me even more. Yes. So what I've probably been doing while I've been hearing the voices go on outside is I'm acting under the impression at this point that we were either drugged and dragged or that any number of things could have happened. Is there a window in this room? Oh, yeah, there is a window. So have I seen the nightmare going on in the sky as well? (laughs) You have. Okay. So uh, at this point, uh, if I'm in this room, are my belongings here as well? It looks like your clothes are here, but there's no... um... So my, my bags are not here. There's a very specific shotgun that sits, kind of rests against the... Little lady is here. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So I have I have little lady in hand when the door opens. <laughs> and I point it at the door when the cats come in. <laughs> um, so you are mobbed by felines of all shapes and sizes and colors. Mobbed as in they assault me? mobbed as in like they come into the room they jump on the bed they jump in your lap it's um a lot of meowing there's probably 30 cats i will uh and mave take a deep breath and look at mave kind of quizzically i'm just gonna shrug and once all the cats are in shut his door (laughs) okay so with the door shut the cats kind of calm a bit and you start hearing like this really weird purr reverberate around the room. It's almost unsettling. Well, it's you and me now, I suppose. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what you're doing here. You see them nod. That's disturbing. They uh, begin getting off the bed and getting off you and going to the door. And you see them kind of paw, not claw, but paw at the door. It seems like they have some sort of intent so I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sling, I'll sling the shotgun and, uh, I'll take a deep breath again and I'm going to think back to my time on the rooftops and the kind of unsettling recognition <laughs> that I got from that cat <laughs> and I will just open the door and go out into the hallway. I'm probably trying not to panic or freak out or... But right now there's a herd of cats between me and everyone else, so I feel kind of safe. You, you shut the door uh, maybe a minute or two later, kind of as uh, Mr. Fraser has, has brought Lady Elizabeth out of the hallway. <laughs> and she gets to see kind of the tail end of this and then yet beginning again of this kind of mob of cats in the hallway. <laughs> um, yeah, the cats come back out and they seem to head for the dining car, like en masse. Well, it does seem we are back in the dreamlands then with all these felines everywhere. I think so. Why? Somewhere. Be careful, Mr. Fraser. I, I, yes, I've learned my lesson on that respect. If you don't mind, um, well, um, this uh, gentleman and, and this lady and this other gentleman, I think, um, the, allow, allow me, gentlemen, to introduce um, Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy of Maplebrook. Doc takes her hand. Um, small bow, guten tag, Fräulein. And who do I have the pleasure of meeting? 
I am Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, at your service. Jack Doyle, it's a pleasure to meet you. Ah, Mr. Doyle, American, I presume? Indeed. Quite an interesting international mix we have going on here, it seems. You think that's weird? You should uh, find out what we're talking about. Yeah. And what were we discussing? Well, we were just discussing the uh, pictures from the uh, the ferry across from England. You know the ones with the summoning and the. <laughs> Perhaps we should have this discussion uh, somewhere roomier than the hallway. The dining car? I don't know. There seems to be a lot of in there already. I, for one, could use a cup of tea if we're going to have deep, strange discussions. Why don't uh, I raise the professor and uh, Mr. Griffith, and they can join us? I was certain the professor's here. We couldn't find him last time. At least when we were awake. Indeed, I... Yes, I'd I'd quite forgot myself there, yes. Well, I'll get Mr. Griffith and and I'll see... uh, I'll see who else is here. Okay. Yeah, so uh, for your part, Mr. Griffith, uh, waking in a place that you did not fall asleep is exceedingly uncomfortable. To that end, though... You are heartened by the fact that your clothes have not changed, that there are no tentacles under the bed, and that your Arkansas toothpick is close at hand. For one, I don't even look under the bed. Uh, I'm too unnerved at this point, but I do happily strap the uh, toothpick back on and get myself dressed. And I'm feeling my like my pockets. Do I have my pistol? Is there anything else? My wire? Yeah, you have your wire. It doesn't seem like anything. Um, you don't have you don't have any firearms on you. And I look out the window. No, that was a mistake. I'm sure it is. Uh, so <laughs> you look out the window, and um, there is a kaleidoscope of uh, color thread that spins through the air. It is very difficult to see anything beyond the horizon line, other than the, these colors and the uh, somewhat purple and dark landscape beneath them that this train seems to run on. I have a quick question. Okay. I wear the crystal on my necklace. Mm -hmm. Is that reacting in any way? Not at this time. Okay. So, Professor, uh, after you collect yourself and your, um, well, the the remnants of your your threads, are you um, exiting out into the hallway at all? Yes, Richard will have a quick look around the room. I mean, does this place seem familiar to him? Oh, yeah, you've been here before. At least, you think. He doesn't recognize it as the Dreamlands or the Orient Express. No, actually, this feels way more like the room that you had your dream in, except Uh, that it's the train. So in that case, I think Richard would look out the window. Oh, yeah, that's right where it's supposed to be. Hmm. And you have a better idea of where you are. Yes. you think. Yes, he's been here before. Is the table in the room the same table? No, no, it's not the same table. It is um, a table that you would have had on um, more like the table on the Dreamline Express where it's small and, and direct. It's not like a, as large of a uh, room as the, hmm. the dream that you had was. And there's definitely voices out in the hallway. I think Richard would, um, yeah, just make sure his things are safe and, uh, and head on into the hallway. Uh, Mr. Fraser, you find... Uh, Simon in fairly short order. Um, you find him uh, rearming himself. Mr. Griffith. Uh, Jim, it ain't right out there. Settle yourself. Um, it seems to be uh, somewhere different. Would you like to come and join us? We're, we're, we're collecting ourselves and, and gathering in the dining compartment to, to 
discuss exactly what's going on. Do we even know where we are? Well, that's one of the things we're hoping to uh, ascertain. Um, there appear to be some other passengers on board as well. Uh, I think you should come out and, and, and speak to them. All right. Are we dreaming again? Or are we awake? Oh, your guess is, good as, is as good as mine, to be perfectly honest with you. Just uh, well, let's let's just gather together in the in the dining room, and we'll we'll figure it out from there. Uh, oh, good lord! What, uh, uh, Simon? Uh, I th- I think I've just seen the professor. Uh, he just come out of a uh, compartment. That's different. We we definitely have questions for him, Professor Courtney. I wasn't expecting to see you here. No, not I. You are, are you are you quite I'm... all right, sir? He looks down at his um, suit and the rips. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, we're, we're dreaming again, but not, not the first dream. I, why, how are you here? Well, I, I just woke up here. What, what happened to you? Uh, you disappeared from your room in, in, in the I hotel. I don't know. I, I remember looking to the left and um, I, the, the, this incredible feeling of dread and, uh, well, I, I. Don't know what happened, but as you can see, my my suit it's it's torn, and I'm dreaming again. Apparently, I think it is. The conversation would probably be interrupted by Maggie sprinting past Simon <laughs> and Fraser <laughs> to, to get the to Richard. Yes, running past uh, Simon and Fraser to get to Richard and like hugging him and then like patting his shoulders. Making sure everything's still there. Are there parts of his missing? D- him missing? Sorry. Are there parts of him missing? Did did we mess something up when we were messing with the blue powder? Uh, she's just like so ecstatic and relieved that he's alive and here in person, and not just as a pile of powder. Uh, Maggie, it, it's it's delightful to see you again. But um, uh, he just looks very embarrassed. Richard, we thought you were dead. You know there was powder in your room, and it and it was the shape of you, and it and it and it screamed, and and I thought you were dead, and I, we were gonna have to put you back together with the powder. And I didn't know what we were going to do, so I'm just so excited to see you alive. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it does sound very familiar, doesn't it, Jack? Is it odd? Ours was more of a trail of black dust. Well, yeah, but still a pile of powder in the shape of a person. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time that has happened near me, I'd have two, which is weird. It's true. Mr. Fraser is keeping very quiet at the moment because he is he's reminded of uh, some events uh, in Paris and also in the Dreamland. No, sorry, in, in Lausanne and also in the Dreamlands there. And the fact that they met a man in the Dreamlands who they knew was no longer alive in the real waking word. Indeed you did. You all hear a bell. It sounds like a dinner bell. Well, shall we? I'm sure that I'm sure that'll be fine. There's in no way, shape or form is that going to be bad at all. Oh come on, Jack. And I'm gonna grab Jack's arm and go towards the dining car. Don't worry, Jack. If this is a dream, then most of it is just based on your psychology. So there's nothing to worry about, right? Yeah. I open oh. the dining car door for him. <laughs> and gesture to the rest of them in the hallway. Sure. After you. As we walk down as well, um, Mr. Fraser is going to quietly um, say to Lady Elizabeth, uh, these um, other passengers we have met, uh, they have the photographs that Miss Bellinger took on the the ferry across to France, uh, and they don't seem to be overly shocked by the content of them. 
In, in fact, I, I heard the use of the word summoning on more than one occasion. I thought that might be something you, you might have an interest in. I sort of cock my head slightly. Uh, which one mentioned the word summoning, Mr. Fraser? Um, I believe it was the American gentleman. We shall have to have a conversation then, shall we not? So, Sam, the dining car, um, you and the cats are the first ones to arrive, and so you kind of have your pick of seats. Um, it's much wider and deeper than you expect. There's also a very long table set up on one side of it. There is a single seat beside that long table, and then there are kind of a row of uh, chairs that are set up, as if um, it's like a conference room almost. It's a little strange in this era, but it almost looks like there's an event being planned. I'll see what the cats are doing. Are they averse to being, like, are they are they real? Because hearing all of this talk about dreams and all this other madness going on behind me, I'm kind of patting myself. Do I, I feel here. I feel whole. Do they feel real? The cats? Yeah, yeah most definitely. Um, they feel, they have, they have warmth. You can feel the texture of the fur and how different it is between the types of cats that are here. You do see that there are a fair amount of, um, I would say, smaller rather than larger cats. There's only a few large, like Maine Coon-style cats here, but there are two or three. Most of them are, are fairly middling to average in height and in weight. Okay. Colors vary from very plausible colors in the spectrum to things that are not. There's a purple cat here. Huh. And the, the cat that I'm, the cat that followed me is not here. Mm, you haven't seen it yet, but there's been a lot of cats. I mean, there's 30 to 40 of them, so. Okay. At this point, I'm not sure who's responsible for this, and they seem awfully comfortable with these new people. So they all seem kind of wanting to get into this dining car. So I will take up a spot away from the door, kind of in between where the, the, the long table is and the general seating is. And mm -hmm. I will just watch everyone come in. I'll try not to look nervous, but I'll definitely be skeptical and wary of pretty much everyone at this point because I have no idea what to think. Sure. So the rest of you um, will make your way into the dining car. Uh, and as you do, uh, you're, there are varying, a varying number of cats uh, taking up seats, sitting on tables. Um, and it looks like the conductor, the gentleman that uh, some of you know as Henri Peters, he is doing his best to work from behind the bar to get these cats fed. He's trying to make sure that they have what they need. For some of you, this seems a little silly. For others of you, you probably know exactly why he's doing this. Uh, he uh, he motions for everyone to come in. Come in, come in, come in. Um, it's uh, I'll I'll do the best I can. It seems I'm the only staff member here, so uh, hopefully, he kind of looks towards w in the direction you think the locomotive would be in. And he says, um, hopefully whoever's ever driving us is, knows what they're doing. He kind of goes back to pouring milk and putting out saucers. and. Allow me to uh, lend you a hand there, Mr. Peters. Oh, I, 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 would, I would not, I would not um, in any way, shape or form think of it, sir. It's, uh, my duty here on the train is to be a service. And uh, you are a guest. And so uh, you could perhaps um, help with the drinks. He kind of smiles. Aye, of course, of course, yes. Uh, uh, allow me. Well, what do we have here now? Go up and examine the drinks cabinet and see what we have. Full. Uh, you are uh, well stocked, sir. 
I'm going to take a shadow run seat. <laughs> okay. So explain. So basically in a corner where I can see all the exits and nobody can sneak up behind me. Okay. Well, there's only like three of them total because one's taken. <laughs> um, so you take a seat. The darkest one. No, that's taken. You take a corner seat. Um, it feels comfortable to put your back against a couple of corners just because you're fairly certain that you're safe. So because I've had experiences with different kinds of dreams, mm -hmm. how unsettling is this compared to some of my other ones? Yeah, I mean, so far it's it's not that bad. I mean, your friends are here. I'm going to, I mean, I'm just going to assume only because they have spoken of dreams and this is weird and, but it's not like the one that we had with Jack and Lillian. No, that was a very different dream. And that um, one felt totally different, right? Yes, that was with you, Lillian, and the doctor that was not with Jack. Oh, that's right. Miss O'Shea. Yes. I'd like you to meet uh, Miss Bellinger, the woman who took the photos on the ferry. Were you responsible for that? I'm responsible for taking the photos, yes. Oh, but not for the... I'm going to assume it was an elemental. Uh, excuse me, an elemental? Okay, so... You were just unwitting witnesses? Well, unwitting seems like a little bit of a slight, but yes, we were there. And we were traveling um, on the ferry, and then all of a sudden that... There's a horrible storm outside, um, flash of flashes of lightning. I went outside to take uh, pictures of something my companion saw, and it, it, it attacked us. Uh, but we were able to fend it off, and then that was about it. Who did you make mad? Probably a few people. <laughs> well, if we knew that, we, w we wouldn't be having this conversation. Not Lady Elizabeth until after Fair that. But... Hmm, yes. About that. Uh, but you mentioned, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, uh, something about elementals? Yes, I'm Maeve. Lady E looks clearly uncomfortable with first names. Maeve what? O'Shea. Ah, Miss O'Shea, thank you. Uh, elementals? Well, I came across something that uh, talks of a fire elemental, so, and it's, you can summon them in the same way it looked like similar considering if you look at the picture there's a circle with writing where the thing had appeared mm -hmm. so that would had to have been done beforehand did you see it before not as far as i'm aware it just appeared so there was nothing on the deck before it appeared not when we arrived on the ferry no it seemed to be almost burned into the deck well, then maybe if when it was summoned, it burned that into the deck as it landed. That's potential. Doc taps his nose and nods. That sounds more likely to me. Yeah. Oh, actually, can I see the picture again? Yeah, yeah, here you go. Can I read now the... <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, look how crafty you are. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can absolutely read the lettering on the burn mark now because mm -hmm. the picture that the, the the site that you had of it was after it had been uh, originally had of it had was after it had been painted over mm -hmm. maggie's picture exists in the moment right. roughly speaking so uh yes the wording um in the language that is used essentially says uh, send to and it lists a very long name like it takes you a while 
to curve the photo, mm-hmm. and it says, send to Elizabeth my anger. Well, somebody is angry with, and, and I'll look up at <laughs> Lady E, like, and Elizabeth? Oh my. Wait, you can read that? Yes. What language is it? It is a... Do I know it? Actually, you don't, you don't, know, the, you don't know the language it is. Okay. You know you can read it, but you don't know what okay. language it is. But see, it says right here, send Elizabeth my anger. Hmm. That's not very sporting. I asked who you made mad. Might be my supposed half-brother, I suppose. Can't think of anyone else. Uh, Mr. Fraser, have I annoyed anyone lately before the ferry? Other than his pretend lordship? I'm not to the best of my knowledge, your ladyship, unless it had something to do with Professor Smith. Uh, well, if it was had to do with the professor, I hardly think it just would have been targeting me. It's no. Probably this pretender. Well, you're talking about somebody who either has access to somebody very strong with spells or anything like that, or the person themselves. It's not like you're just going to come across this person and not know that they can... Because usually with somebody with this kind of power, you know. I'm sorry, would you care for some tea, miss? Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Fraser does not appreciate discussions of the magical. You're perfectly at liberty to have discussions of, of the, the magical, as you as you call it, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm also at liberty not to... Uh, <laughs> And involve myself in them. Um, I'll, uh, I'll see if there's any milk and uh, sugar. Thank you, Mr. Fraser. Indeed there is. Doc is a little too curious at this point. Doc is going to um, gently kind of excuse himself from the conversation and head towards the locomotive. Someone mentioned, I sure hope whoever's driving can drive, and Doc is not one to let the wheel not be tended. Sure. So he's going to just real quick. Okay. You get to the end of the dining car, and when you get to the door that goes to the locomotive, it doesn't open. Like, it's locked. Turn back around. Go back to my seat. Professor, you do have <laughs> you do have a bit of blue powder on your fingers having picked some up, and I think it's likely something that Maggie would notice. Oh, almost certainly, as I'm making sure that all of his bits are still there and we didn't mess anything up. D- Richard, that's that's the blue powder. That's what we saw in your room. What exactly happened? I mean, I I remember. Um, I was. I mean, everybody had left. I, I, I tried the device again, and um, I just remember a feeling of dread. What 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 on earth happened? Well, myself and Lady Elizabeth returned from the library, and we saw this blue powder coming out from under your door. So we came in to investigate, and we I saw your shape in the room, but it was. Not you, is made out of that powder, but it was like a standing man. And when I got close to it, it 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 fell to the ground and let out your scream. So, when when you came into the room, the powder was in the uh, in the shape of me, um, uh, uh, sort of standing, as if a mannequin. Yes, yes, I was convinced that you had been turned into powder. I, I did let. Paul, take a small bit of it to do some testing on. I, By the way, is, has anyone seen Paul? Yeah, you know, actually, you haven't seen Paul. Well, that's strange. So when I was knocking on doors in the corridor, I take it that all of them were answered. 
Yes, that's correct, sir. Well, regardless, I I allowed him to take a little bit to experiment on, but no more, and then I tried to keep the the room as sealed as possible so that no one could come in and disturb the dust in case we needed it to put put you back together. And and what what happened afterwards? Um, (laughs) not much. (laughs) Nothing. Doc sitting at the table behind, leaning on an elbow. Go on. Um, well, um, nothing really regarding um, you. We did, there was an interaction with the dust and, and some ether. It made a, a terrible smell. An interaction? Um, what, 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 what sort of interaction? Uh, well, it smelt like a wet dog. I must be missing something. So there was a, a large pile of powder in the room, and uh, what happened after that? There was some ether? Well, Paul took a bit to experiment on. Um, he's a wonderful doctor, well, pre-doctor, but not as well of a scientist, I found out, because I I don't know what he gathered from that experiment, putting your powder in the ether and it's smelling bad. Um, and involving you, that is all that happened last night, yesterday. I see, today. and... How did did we arrive here? I I had assumed it was the device. When I woke, I... Well, this sort of thing's happened before. Oh, oh, that is the the conundrum here, uh, Professor. None of us seem to know uh, how we got here, including uh, Mr. Peters. This is not his train, but we are clearly somewhere. Yes, I've been here once before. Where is here? Uh, Would you care to illuminate us? And a voice comes from the other side of the dining car when Sam speaks up and says, where is here? I don't really know. Um, uh, sleep is such an interesting thing these days. Um, one might wake and, uh, well, be in their normal room or on a strange train or a, a, a train which is strange in a different way. I, I mean, you see those threads outside. It's as if we're at the centre of the universe or somewhere where things are connected. Where? I don't know. I think at this point, Mr. Fraser is just going to start offering drinks round to people. <laughs> That's probably not a bad idea. Trying not to listen to this crazy talk. Maybe you'll take a double. All this talk of fires and fairies and wet dog wafting disappearances and blue powder and ether huffing seems well and good, but we should probably figure out where we are, how we got here, why we're here, and why the conductor seems so driven to feed this herd of cats that seems to have taken a liking to me. Oh, we can answer some of those questions, actually. We're in the dreamlands, I believe. And the cats are from here. Ulthar, in fact. And they spend a lot of time riding trains. And they are not to be wronged or crossed, either. Yes, please don't step on their tails. It won't go well. You see um, the conductor come around with another tray of these milk saucers, and he says... Yes, I, I do apologize. He kind of bows to you a bit, Sam. Um, I, I apologize. I wish I had time to explain things. Um, in short, as far as I can tell, we are in a portion of the Dreamlands. You all say that so matter-of-factly, as if I should know what the hell that means. Wait, so I, w- I would assume, I'm looking at the conductor, that we're almost in an in-between because the last time I want to say that I was there and I had this and I touched my necklace, that it reacted to the dreamland. Well, if, we, if you don't mind, 
perhaps we can all get on a bit of the same footing before we go into details. He sets the tray down. Actually, he hands the tray to you, Doctor. Oh. Uh, the, the cats, please feed them for a moment. Yeah, yeah, kitty, kitty, kitty. Sir, he kind of gestures towards you, Sam. The This place, this location, is something which we believe happens in, in either memory or spirit. It is a place that can be traversed. It is a realm that sits outside the physical one that you know. And the people here call it the Dreamlands because many times they arrive here while sleeping. And so I do apologize. Um, it seems that many of your compatriots have been here before. If this is your first venture beyond the wall of sleep, then hopefully it is a fortunate one. I probably, uh, for the first time, relax my grip on the little lady and put it on the table um, in front of me and I will I'll pick up a cat instead the conductor the gentleman in the conductor's uniform introduced himself as Henri Peters uh, he says if you must butcher my name and call me Henry so be it but his job in life was once to be a conductor for the Orient Express and he came to the Dreamlands and built his own Dreamlands Express here he points around and says very matter of factly this is not my train I am here, and I do not know why either. That is something I have not been able to reason. But I can feel that I am still in the land of dreams, and that is where we must be. And how do we get out of here? Uh, well, in many ways, you could fall asleep here. I know that when I fall asleep, or when, when I was still able to fall asleep, I could return to the physical world after my mortal body died I could no longer return I could not fall asleep here I simply rest like it or not as little as I'm really able to kind of understand this whole walking dream you being dead I'm totally at home with so please carry on with your duties thank you sir thank you Henri he nods um, oh, Mr. Fraser, I see you've found the um, the bottles. Are they of use? Uh, hi, indeed, yes. Um, what would everyone like to drink? There's a, a wide range here. I'll take a whiskey. Neat. Uh, a single malt, sir? Actually, uh, are we paying for this? I, I'm sure <laughs> it will not come free of charge uh, in some way. Nothing ever does. After drinks, get kind of passed about a bit the ambiance lighting finally turns on here in the car. So you start seeing the little uh, wall sconces finally turn back on. Well, that's reassuring. If you say so. Well, I've had enough of small, dark, cramped places for the foreseeable future. Thank you. Paris was quite enough. Sorry, Mike, are these um, electrical lights? No. Just looking at them a little closer, they look like they're gas maybe they they do seem to have something in the center of them though the center of that flame looks almost uh uh a little bit like a piece of stone and they've just lit themselves yes sir curious and curious um mike of this of this crew 
um, that seems to be in here with us. Are any of the other ones armed that I can see? Um, the gentleman that sits somewhat behind this obviously professorial man with the ripped suit, he's likely armed just by the way he moves. You're not sure if it's he's armed with a firearm or not, but he definitely has he just has something. His his physical frame and the way he carries himself is that of somebody who's probably had some military training. Okay. Everybody else seems, well, quite frankly, harmless by comparison. Is Miss Bellinger favoring her arm? I'm going to say likely, but I'll leave it up to Miranda whether or not she wants to give that out. All three of my arms are my favorites, but... Oh, that's right, you're carrying... Are you carrying the arm? <laughs> um, I don't know. If I would have left it in my... I, I like to keep it on my person. So I may have actually, like put it in a bag but I I would probably have my arm kind of like clutched maybe closer to my body as one does when they're injured a bit maybe a little doctor okay. I don't know if it's a complete giveaway but she's mm. she seems to be very much as far as body language she seems to be paying a lot, an awful lot of attention to this man in the rib suit mm-hmm. next to her so uh, Miss Fitzroy so uh, Lady Elizabeth oh, thank sorry. you Lady Elizabeth then I would suggest you find out um, who's mad at you because if they can do this and it didn't work, um, I don't want to see what comes after. Yes, well, I wonder if it has something to do with this, and I'm going to pull my book out of my bag. So for the unacquainted, um, there is a very large tome that she pulls out of her bag. It has several wide... Um, what almost look like iron bindings on it. It the leather and uh, or whatever the cover itself is made out of seems fairly well worn. The pages seem old, and the book is apparently, at least visually, locked. Have you unlocked this? That's the problem. I can't quite figure out how to open it. I have been trying for several months. Mind if I take a look? Oh, please. I'd love to get this thing open. I will look it over. Does it have, like, a locking mechanism on it? The bands themselves come towards the opening area of the book, right? Uh, and there do seem to be three almost strangely patterned uh, keyholes. Oh, so you need keys. It does seem like that, yeah. Uh, when she passes that book over to me, I audibly loud, like load my shotgun. Shoot him daggers. What is with your trigger-happy friend? He's not my friend. He is worried about any knowledge that comes from the books such as that one. Uh, it is something that we are currently... Sounds like a very rational, wise gentleman to me. Oh, Mr. Fraser, why don't you ha- go have a nice conversation with your new best friend over there, and we will stay over here with the book. So, have you found any keys? No, I tried having one made to fit the lock, but the locksmith said it was impossible. Well, I'm sure there's probably only one of a kind. Where did you pick the book up at? From my father, when he passed away. He left it to me. Told me not to open it, but why would he leave me a book if he didn't want me to open it? Well, he didn't leave you the keys. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 excuse me, um, as we're in the, um, this, this, this place of dreams, I, um, I believe Mr. Peters said to us once that we can create things with our thoughts. I was wondering, perhaps if we 
imagine the key, perhaps, it would appear. Well, you'd have to know what kind of key and what kind of shape it needs. And if it needs to be magically imbued or... Hold on, let me look at this. I'm going to look at all the symbols. So there are um, varying types of almost um, Z or Zebra, as depending upon your location, uh, symbols, right? So they're very, they're very, lots of right angles, a lot of sharp takes to them. Um, before your knowledge, Jack, it doesn't look like any lock you've ever seen. It looks like it's, there's nowhere you've seen, you haven't seen a lock like this, um, or at least a, a keyhole opening, I should say. Um, but they're fairly well secure. There's no give to the, the bands at all. Um, and there is a steep, you know, this reinforcement bracket that kind of runs along the spine of the book as well. So is the keyhole opening like a keyhole? Mm-mm. Okay, does it have like a divot, like where you would put your finger maybe? Uh, nope, nope. They're, they're fairly sharp. It almost looks like you would have to smith something. How deep does the uh, keyhole go? Mm, probably about three and a half to maybe. So, so it's it's a sizeable. It's significant, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. It's a fairly deep lock. What kind of shape is the opening? So if you are looking down the edge of it, there are three bands, one at the top, one in the middle, and one at the end. And as you kind of look down at them, there are these strange shapes that that sit on the inside there or should say right on the facing of the lock right so whatever key would be placed in there would be likely flat probably even somewhat thin oh to follow the shape of mm, the symbol yes okay and these are symbols you are not necessarily familiar with right. and since they are not a language the necklace doesn't work on them and there's no other outward writing on the book? Mm-mm. Nope. It's a big mystery. Much to the chagrin of one Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. There has to be something on your person or something from your father that would fit in this. It would be flat. Maybe with similar symbols. You'd probably have to open the locks in a certain order and follow the symbols in a certain pattern. Interesting. We didn't find anything of any such sort at Father's estate. Wonder where he would have kept such a thing. Like not a letter opener or maybe a hairpin from your mother. My father was not the sentimental type. Is it possible it's something that your uh, half brother has? Uh, assumed half brother. Just based on what uh, I've read in the papers. Yes, well. One can say what one wants as much as one wants. It doesn't make it necessarily true. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Did you say that you'd read of the case in the papers? Oh, yeah. I've been following it uh, closely. May I ask what uh, the most recent uh, reports are saying? If I remember correctly, it, uh well, that you had left the country in order to stall it, I believe. <sighs> I suppose one can't control what these tabloid journalists put in their trash. That is the truth, yes. I will. We have someone looking into it. The only reason I filed is uh, I work as a private detective back in Chicago and this is kind of the kind of thing I would uh, usually handle, so it uh, you know, professional curiosity. 
I see, yes, yes. And what do you make of it yourself? Well, it has not been unknown for people of wealth to have uh, hidden paramours and the like, but it's also very common for con artists to try to take what belongs to somebody else. Indeed. Well, this man, whoever he is, and whatever his lineage that he claims, whether it's true or not, he has absolutely no claim on any of the things that he says rightfully belong to him. It's quite ridiculous. I hope the investigation bears that out. I'm sure it will. There's another bell. It chimes a couple of times. You see um, Henri look stand up as if to try to figure out what the world's going on. If uh, if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to take a wee turn around the, the, the train and see see what I can see, see if there's anything else here that might give us some sort of a, a clue or indication as to exactly how we've come to be here and why we're here. The door you came in to get into the dining car opens and a rather frail woman walks in. She's clothed in a, a very... A very well-made Victorian morning set. She seems to be veiled. And she walks in, passes her way through the space. The cats don't necessarily directly react to her either way. um, But they don't cross her path. She moves in far enough to have access to the seat at this kind of large table that single seat that sits on the far end uh, most near the we'll say if you're if you're entering the room if you're entering this massive dining car we'll say to the left side the single lone seat there and she sits down she has a bag with her that she places on the table I'm gonna glance at uh, Mr. Peters and see if there's any sign of recognition in his eye as who this might be he looks at you and, and understands immediately the the notion you're trying to get over to him and he shakes his head no he kind of glides over <laughs> towards her um yeah, excuse me um, madam is there anything I can get you and she inclines her head and says I need but a glass of water her voice is pretty cracked you feel the train slow all do. I think seeing as I've um, I'm at the uh, been dealing with the drinks cabinet and that sort of thing anyway um, there'll be a jug of water and a glass so I'll, I'll pour her a glass of water and pass it over to her. I'm gonna look over at Jack. This is not good. I agree. She takes a glass of water and um, you can see Mr. Frazier in her just from her hand you can see how far the dress lace goes and you can see that on the the pattern that covers part of her palm from this dress um, it reminds you very much of something high Victorian women might wear just as you get closer to it you can see um, whoever she is she was a person of station at least at one point I shall um, pass her the water with all due deference she gives you the slightest of acceptance movements like from her head it's nearly imperceptible to most people but you pick up on it she acknowledges you i hope that is to your liking ma'am i have much to say we all do 
When she says we all do, it echoes around the chamber. There are many of us here tonight. Won't you join us? She kind of gestures out to the chairs that have been arrayed in front of the table. Well, I guess I don't, we don't have much choice. There's always a choice, Jack. When she says the word Jack, the tone in her voice drops. It goes male. And you hear Jackson Elias. Sam, you pick that out too. Are these cats reacting to this person at all? Uh, they're keeping an eye on her for sure. The one, the one that I'm holding specifically, like when they walk in, um, is there any sort of reaction or tensing or if, does the, if there was purring, does it stop? Like, I'm just kind of curious. I don't think it would tense. I think that the cat likely probably stops purring momentarily to gauge the newcomer. As any cat would, it wants to keep an eye on things entering its space. Uh, and after a while, if you continue to hold it and likely pet it, then it's probably going to go back to feeling the same type of safety or good feelings as it did before. Okay. I'll stand up and, uh, you know, kind of gently put the cat down, take the shotgun off the table, and I will chin up, walk over to this conference table, and I'll take the seat closest to this person. Okay, so directly across from them? Sure. Kind of unceremoniously, you know, drop down into the seat, put the gun on the table, and I look them in the face, and I don't say anything. Okay. I'm don't recognize this voice, obviously, but I'm curious, so I'm going to go have a seat and still fiddle around with my book. I'll remain standing, but one hand. Sure. Where would you be sitting, Lady Elizabeth? Mm, I think close enough that I can see this, get a full view of this person, whoever they are, mm -hmm. but not close enough to touch. Well, there's, I mean, well, you'd have to really, really, really reach across the table to touch her. Mm-hmm. I'm wary, that's... Oh, we all are. I sit furthest away from Sam. Pretty tough. He's in the middle of the room now. But we'll put you over here on the end. You're closer to Lady E than anybody else at the moment, and close being like six feet. Mind, we'll, we'll be minding our uh, social distancing guidelines during this. No, I'm kidding. My question to the rest of the, the group, well, obviously with Fraser standing... Um, nearby but obviously not sitting um is anyone else filling in the rest of the seats yeah yeah okay i'm uh, i would maybe uh, gesture to uh richard to see if he wanted to go over there and richard will just look at maggie in a kind of cautious but definitely interested kind of way <laughs> okay so if we get up to go over maggie will try to seat us with as many people between her and Lady Elizabeth as she can. <laughs> oh, great. Well, you'll go to the far end, and uh, we'll put you there uh, at the far end, and Richard there on your left. Because I'm not ready Which to face of... that yet, but I also mm, don't want to no. ignore what happened, so... Clearly. No, no, we wouldn't want that. Sigmund? He's very carefully watching this person whose voice keeps changing um watching body language movements not that she's really projecting anything particular but little things nuances i mean they're not giving much away but anything they do the veil a fully veiled face especially as it as someone talks through it is a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. 
because you're so used as a doctor to having eye, eye contact or being able to read someone's face. Mm. Given the veil type that she's using, it's tough to pick up any sort of pantomime from her. Mm. And that's maybe a little unsettling to you. Yeah, she's giving nothing away. A, a very slight shrug towards Jack. Jack, where are you sitting? Um, I'm going to sit as close to her as possible. Okay, so you're going to sit next to Sam. N- yeah. Just, just making sure people know. You, you, do you want to sit closer or further from Lady Elizabeth? Well, I just want to sit closer to uh, our host. Understood. Putting you there. But there are still some seats and some spaces. Simon, as it were? Simon's actually going to just lean against the wall uh, behind the <laughs> professor, just so he has a good view on everything. Sure. He's not comfortable sitting down. Nope. She probably, he probably thinks she's a haint. Entirely possible. Or a witch. Out of her bag, she takes a pile of something in her hand. She takes the bag and she pulls out something from it. It clutches it in her entire hand. And she extends her hand kind of halfway out uh, over the table. And when she does, she upends her hand completely. And out of her hand, a multicolored dust lands on the table. And it begins to coalesce in front of you. And it rebuilds a blue and bright magenta stone. I recognize the stone. You do. With it reconstructed, her body slumps. Like she hits the table like somebody threw like a fish, like a dead fish on the table. And then the body jerks back up. I look at my stone. It's hot. All of them? Yeah. Every one of you that has one are all gleaming and warm and uncomfortable if they're pressed against your skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking around the room to gauge the reactions of our new companions to what's going on here. Now, something uncomfortable has happened, Mr. Fraser. You're not sure what it is, but some of them are squirming. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the gentleman there across the... This, they said his name was Sam? The sensible one. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, at this point, I'm just staring, kind of jaw set. Not angry, but waiting. A voice enters the room. It comes from many places. It comes from her slowly opening mouth. It comes from the corners. It seems to echo in a space that should not have echo. Hello? Lawrence's voice wafts out. Lawrence? Jack, I lift the head and look around the table again. There is a a sickening bone, kind of bone-on-bone sound as this head moves around the room. Seems to change its perspective. You see her eyes are milk white. I look very closely at Maeve. She looks different. Yes. Where's Lillian? She's not here. Is she... She's okay. Good. Who are these people? Fellow travelers. Why am I here? That's a good question. What do you remember, Lawrence? I was falling, and I hit the obelisk, and then I was here. Did Gavigan... He got his. Good. They all deserve it. Are you okay, Lawrence? Are you in any pain? No. No, I can't say I am, but okay is a relative term. I'm sorry I couldn't save you. I don't think anyone could have saved me. Even even God himself couldn't save me. But 
you have business to take care of. It's what we're trying to do. It's my goal. Time is moving. I've been sitting here thinking about everything we've done, and I understand now. This is their clock. Time is moving towards whatever it is they want. And if you want to stop it, you had better hurry. We're on our way. The body slumps. Doc immediately pours himself a very tall glass of whatever. <laughs> Literally whatever. It's in a bottle. Yep. It's whatever. <laughs> I get up and I walk back to my seat across the room. Not quite sure what was happening there. The body jolts back up. Oh dear. Elizabeth, you hear a very firm man's voice come out of this tiny, tiny body. You hear your father's voice. I take it I would recognize this voice as well. Oh, 100%. F father? Is, is that... Is that you? What what house am I in? You're dead. Oh, don't be a fool. I'm not dead. Yes, well, uh, the funeral and the open casket would say otherwise. Mother told you to stop drinking all that port. She obviously sounds a bit shaken, but is is still a bit combative. <laughs> the uh, the voice struggles out again and says, "And uh, where where is where is that Fraser?" Mister Fraser, you're being summoned. No, Tuckery. No, I won't be party to this. He's here. Still looking after you. Yes. You did tell him to, after all. No, someone has to. I got the book from you, if it is you. Oh. Why did you give me a book with no, no key? No, 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 no. What are you doing with that book? You sent it to me. No, I didn't. Uh, William, our, our footman, he said that uh, you told him to bring it to me after the funeral. William's a fool. I'd have never let him touch that book. Well, he had it, and now I have it. But there's no key. There is a key. There are three of them. Well, where are they? Well, one is easy enough to get. You have it. Oh? The other two you'll have to do some searching for. I do like your puzzles. Mm. Even in death. Mm. Well, if I am dead, it's boring as hell. Yes, I imagine there aren't many opera singers. Father, did you have another son? Other than Raymond? I... I admit that there were others than your mother. You know these. Yes, but this one is... He's trying to say he's your your heir and he's trying to take everything. He says mother wasn't your first wife. Um, under English law, your mother was my first and only wife. And under other laws? Before I met your mother, there was a woman that I spent some time with. I was very young, you understand. And there were customs that I was not prepared to understand the totality of. I was in a foreign land, and I was in love. Right. An emotion you are completely familiar with, I am sure. Her hands are shaking a little bit. Yes, of course. This is, this is, this is who I would expect to speak with, yes? My daughter who cannot understand perspective nor lifetimes, who simply wants what she wants. This one I know. Yes, well, who do you think I learned that from? Oh, it's clear. It's clear. A common trouble in our aristocracy. Hmm. Yes, you had your opera singers. I have my books. Hmm. We all have our own vices. Oh, you have your vices, my dear. I know them. 
I'm surprised you paid enough attention to learn them. I paid quite a bit of attention. You broke Mother's heart, you know. Hearts break. It is unfortunate. Yes, well, you don't have to do it intentionally. She hasn't spoken to anyone other than me and Raymond ever since your funeral. She won't leave the house. She can't bear to go anywhere near your study. I hope you're happy wherever you are. I don't believe in heaven and hell and purgatory and all these other things, but wherever you are, I hope you are well satisfied. There's nothing out here. There's nothing. That's comforting. Existence beyond death is nothingness. But you do exist. You brought me here. That is clear. Not intentionally. But here I am. Why did you leave the book for me? There is something in it. There is a working, a very powerful working, which can only be... It, it can only be done from a specific place at um, a specific time of day. It is something which can rework um, the very fabric of a very important place. The reason why it has been kept away so long from the people who are searching for it is because they wish to change a place. They wish to alter it physically to allow for something which cannot be altered. The binding, the spell itself, these pages, they are indestructible. I have burned them thousands of times. Does your bastard know about this? Because I have recently learned he may be attempting to kill me. Alexander. Ah, yes, so you do acknowledge him. That's wonderful. That's nice to know. He was born before you or Raymond. Yes, I'd rather gathered that. Doc nonchalantly slides a drink towards Lady E. And are you quite certain he has no claim under English law? None. He cannot take that which has been given to Raymond. He is playing at a farce. He is trying to make you a target. A social target. Yes. He's not having that much luck now, is he? I'd like to see him try. It was not. Alexander, you need to worry about. I would take care of troubling his mother. Yes. I believe I've seen her in a place like this. What's her name? The woman in the Victorian garb opens her mouth and nothing comes out. Always did have a flair for the dramatic. The body collapses. Uh, I just kind of stand up without realizing quite that I'm standing up, just sort of thousand yards staring for a moment until I realize he's he, she's not going to say anything else. And I just sort of stumble to the back of the room, trying to get away from where people can see me. Okay. It's very uncomfortable. A cup of tea will miraculously appear on the table beside you. You're just getting drinks thrown at you all over the place. <laughs> right? I want tea to just appear. I take whatever Dr. Tottenbuck has pushed towards me and swallow it in one go without even noticing what it is. And, and then I go sit and slowly drink at the tea as I try to regain my composure in front of all these people. Richard, you can't not look. It's too tempting. Is this the crystal in the middle of the table? Mm-hmm. But the gentleman that was at the table across from the woman snatched it up. He picked it up physically. He's currently holding it in his fist, and he's kind of whispering to it. Hmm. Richard will just look on, see what happens. 
yeah, uh, it's for you, Sam. It is warm to the touch, and it seems to kind of glow a bit. I make Forsyth a few promises. Okay. Can, you can either enter them into the record, or we can keep them um, perhaps later. I apologize to him for the lack of preparedness that led to his death. The absurdity of the situation made manifest that led to his sacrifice our you know, lack of understanding of the interests and agendas and the factions at play. And that even though we may want to assume that we understand we're on the right side of a conflict of otherworldly interests and scope, that there's no way we can know what we should know and that he should have known and that he could have known, but because he didn't know, he's dead. So I promise him that we will no longer be unprepared, or at least I won't be. Okay. So... While there's a kind of a, a lull in the proceedings, um, Mr. Fraser will um, speak to the, the gentleman who mentioned the name Gavigan. Uh, excuse me, did, did I hear you uh, say something about uh, a, a Mr. Gavigan? It's a, that wouldn't be the, the, the solicitor of the Pennyhoo Foundation, would it, by any chance? Not anymore. Yeah, Maeve's face goes hard, like totally cold. Yes, he was. Are you connected with this gentleman? Are you, are you members of the, the, the foundation? No, no. Uh, we had a bit of a run-in with him. Run-in? What kind of a run-in? He was the head of a, uh, a cult in England. A, a what did you say now? Yeah, a cult. He was uh, kidnapping and sacrificing people to this black pharaoh or whatever. What? Edward Gavigan? Yeah, Edward Gavigan. Apparently much of the Penhew Foundation, uh, the leadership of it also was involved. I find that somewhat hard to believe, I have to say. He has a, a very creditable reputation. Yeah, well, believe it. Not anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know too many cultists that would come out and be like, Hi, I belong to a cult. Would you like to be sacrificed? However, he... Won't be bothering anyone ever again. No. Does that mean what I think it means? The man is... No longer in England. Some of him is in England. Doc has not cracked a smile or a joke this whole time, by the way. I'm, I must say I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat taken aback. Well, I'm sorry if you thought he was a nice guy. Sometimes the worst people wear the best masks. And vice versa. Uh, Guillaume, for example. It's actually quite nice. Wait a um. You say Guillaume? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, somebody who ran into in Paris. Well, here we go. <laughs> um, yes, Guillaume is a friend of myself and Richard. Oh, the uh, the ghoul. Well, that's not a very kind thing to call a man. No, that's that's what he is. He's a ghoul. Yeah, and so were the people that were working and living with him. Yeah, well, they, they're no longer a problem, but. Mr. Fraser pours himself a whiskey. <laughs> he was a perfectly reasonable gentleman. He was just in need of a, a meal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Originally, we thought that he may have been uh, connected to this creature eating children, but we found out it was somebody else, another ghoul living with him, and we uh, had to deal with them. Deal with him. Guillaume is perfectly safe. Yes. yes that's we knew. He would never eat a no, child. No, quite. Well, we didn't know there was a whole nest of ghouls in Paris. Well, there were. Now there's just one. I find it kind of suspicious 
that the things that we have been trying to fight, this other group seems to be friendly with. You could find suspicion in a basket of kittens, Miss O'Shea, and you know that's true. The train itself that had been slowing before begins to pick up speed. Actually, quite a bit of it. The threads outside that are visible from the windows here, which, because the windows have not been closed, they've been least lightly visible at the top rail here, uh, begin picking up an awful lot of speed. Is that body still here? Yeah. Is it is it flumped or seated? Uh, it's it's both, actually. It's seated and kind of collapsed over onto the conference table, on this large table. I'll stand up from my seat and uh, push it. Like push it over or? Put, well, if it's slumped over, I'm going to push it at the shoulder and see, does it fall off the table or does it jerk back up and have something more to say? Neither, actually. It doesn't fall over unless you push it really hard. <laughs> I'm not going to sh- um, You push at it. It doesn't seem to react uh, initially to your physical touch. Is she alive? I don't know if it ever was. Now's the time to find out. Do you want me to cut its head off or something? No, no, check a pulse. <laughs> I will do all of the head suffering. Come on. So just getting, if, if you reach out and like actually touch flesh to flesh on her, you're actually going to have to dig a little bit because of all of the high Victorian clothing. It covers up a lot of her skin. Um, but just getting in at her wrist is probably the closest way to check. I go under the veil and I check. I check the neck. All right. You go under the veil you see an amalgamation of faces. Not one, not two, not ten, maybe fifty. In this kind of spilling and moving mass of faces. I mean, I was just going to reach under there, but this works too. The eyes, plural, as many sets are here, begin to track you and look at you. And you can see all sorts of different people inside this face, this single ovoid face. There are many people within. And while I wouldn't normally, I'm going to have you roll sanity. Sure. Let's do it. That is a 73 out of 74. Okay. Alright. You will lose three sanities here. Um, this is horrifying and oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what is this? I'll put the veil back down. I'll close my eyes. Uh, the body shakes and trembles. It seems to go into some sort of spastic move. The train moves faster and faster. The windows begin to blot out each one. In time, the threads die as darkness consumes the windows. And that is where I leave you for this episode of Masks on the Orient Express. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our backers and all of the cast members for making themselves available. Uh, We will be back in another time and perhaps another place. 